Uh, This afternoon's reading is from Luke chapter 8, can be found on page 1038. Going to be reading from verses 40 to 56. That's page 1038, Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, came. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Sophie, thank you so much for reading. Well, welcome to Trinity. My name's Nathan, and I know there's a few people visiting here for the first time today. Particular welcome, if that's you. And just to say, we don't normally have scaffolding um, up at the back like this. But there's a new heating project, very exciting. Not a great time to test it out. I'm guessing if they're doing that tomorrow, it's going to be not very nice for them. But uh, hopefully we'll feel the effects of that in the autumn and winter. Good. Well, we're looking at Luke chapter 8. I'm going to pray, and then we'll look at this chapter together. Oh, Father God, uh, we're going to be thinking about this topic of, of faith, such an important topic, one that we may be... Uh, feel we've got a good grip of, uh, maybe one that we don't know what we think about, uh, that question of faith or what it means to have faith. And so I pray that as we open your word, that's the best thing we could possibly do, uh, that you would speak to us um, by your Holy Spirit today. Um, so that not only do we have a sort of clearer definition of what faith is, but so that we might more wholeheartedly put our, our, our trust and faith in Jesus, a man who lived and died and rose again and ascended. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, if you're um, 
joining us today for the first time, or been away maybe for a few weeks. Uh, we're in a topical series, just, just for three weeks, a little mini-series, um, thinking about big words or big concepts in the Bible. And so last week we thought about repentance, uh, this week faith, next week we'll be thinking about discipleship. And we'll be looking at each of these through the lens of stories, stories that we see in Luke's gospel, like the one we just heard read out. And last week, if you were here, you'll remember that we were looking at uh, repentance through the lens of the story of a man called Zacchaeus. We saw that Zacchaeus, um, he, he experienced sorrow for sin, uh, the wrong that he had done, and then he, he made a turn. Do you remember? Uh, there was a 180. He was heading in the direction of sin in the way he lived, and then there was a 180 turn as he turned to follow Christ. And actually, faith or more specifically, saving faith that we're thinking about today, is, is so closely connected with that word repentance. Uh, people talk about it sometimes as being like two sides of a coin, okay? One side, repentance. The other side, faith. You, you can't have one without the other. You can't have repentance without faith. You can't have faith without repentance. Both are essential. So the, the Bible often would speak about repent and believe, turn from sin to Jesus, so closely tied. And this topic as is, is faith, as Jeff's already kind of hinted at, it is a topic of paramount importance because it deals with the most important question anyone could ask. How can someone be saved? How can someone enter the kingdom of God if they don't know what saving faith means? It's pretty important, right? <laughs> But I want to be up front to say that the way that, that you and I often use faith or belief, just in kind of everyday language, is, um, is quite different than what the Bible means when it talks about faith. So, for example, um, I might say that I have faith that Manchester United are going to win the Premier League this year. They won't, but I, I've got to have faith starting a new season. Or people might say to Jeremy and Dawn on holiday, you've got to believe that that EasyJet flight is going to is going to leave on time and not be cancelled. You, you've just got to believe. You know, we say that kind of thing. That's quite different than what the Bible means when it talks about faith. So you just need to recognize that. Trust. Jeff already mentioned, actually, in one of those definitions. Trust is perhaps a, a more truthful kind of sense or a better sense of what the word faith means biblically. But we use those terms kind of today, faith, belief, trust, interchangeably. And I'm guessing in a room like this, sort of this afternoon, that, that we'll have, be coming in different places, different ways to this word. So for some of us here, we've had faith or trust in Jesus maybe for many years. And if you're honest, you'll think, sorry, you're doing a whole sermon on faith? Come on, this is like ABCs, really. Do, do we really need a sermon on faith? It's obvious, right? Well, actually, none of us here is the finished article. And look, one of the ways that our faith is deepened is by hearing the Word, learning more about Jesus. And so that's good for us to, to recognize our faith is not static, but it's active as we learn more of Christ. I'm aware though others of us will hear the word faith, and, and perhaps you'll think about people who have lost faith. We can, I expect, all imagine and, and know people who sometimes the language is fallen away from faith or deconstructed if you want to use a sort of uh, in vogue term about that maybe someone who used to sit next to you at trinity 
is not here today because they don't have faith anymore. Perhaps you, today, your, your faith feels weak. You just about made it through the door, but you're, you're hanging on. It's feeling weak. There'll be others here every week, pretty much, at Trinity, who say, actually, I, I, don't have, I like coming along, but I don't have faith. I'm, I'm just not a faith person. You know, people say that, don't they? Uh, maybe as you hear the, hear the songs, you're looking at people and go, wow, I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could believe like that. It's just, I don't have faith. The thing is, though, that, that all of us do have faith. <laughs> all of us do believe something, even the most militant of atheists. So, for example, I don't know if anyone's had one of these, um, a biscuit at the back. I think Kirsten made it. I, I have faith, or I believe, that she put sugar in this rather than salt. She did. Good. Yeah, that's, that's sugar. We, we, make, we believe, don't we? we? We have faith in things every day. Things like driving a car across a bridge, that the, the bridge will hold you, that the biscuit will have, I'm taking a little bit longer to eat than I thought it might, um, that it has sugar in rather than, than salt in. All of us believe. All of us have faith in certain things. So the Christian doesn't have a sort of magic faith bias or faith leaning. Rather, by God's grace, they have come to believe and place their trust in a person. Jesus Christ, to, to save them from hell, for heaven, eternal life. Well, we're going to see a story all about faith from Luke's gospel in just a few moments. But before we jump into that, I think it's helpful again just to, to define what faith is and what faith isn't. Jeff read that verse um, at the beginning from Paul in Ephesians 2, where it clearly said faith is a gift, okay? It's a gift given by God to the person who believes. It's a gift. But from a kind of human standpoint, there's three elements that's worth just thinking about when it comes to faith. First of all, it's understanding. Faith is understanding. Faith is based on facts and knowledge of who God is. It's not, you know, people sometimes say blind faith. You know, leave, leave your brain at the door when you come into church. No, faith is based on certain things, on knowledge of God. But understanding on its own isn't enough. Maybe you've had someone come to a carol service, for example, at Trinity. And, um, you know, Jeremy has come up and he's, um, he's given a talk and so clearly explained and, and shown the beauty of Jesus and what he's achieved. And you, you go to the pub with someone afterwards and you say, how did you find it? And they say, yeah, it was interesting, but it's not for me. That person understood some sense, <laughs> but yet they've rejected it. So understanding on its own isn't enough. So, and so people talk about understanding and then approval, the second element. That is that it's more than an intellectual understanding, but actually you, you see the revelation of God and you say, yeah, this makes sense. This, yeah, this does add up. It's true. But understanding and approval are not enough. <laughs> Think about Nicodemus. I don't know if you've come across his story in John chapter 3. We're told that he understood the things of God, that he approved of Jesus, yet we're told he hadn't yet believed. Hmm, okay, interesting. So understanding, yeah. Approval, yeah. The third element, if you like, and this is key, is trust. Trust. It's a work of God in someone to, to shift them from 
simply understanding and approving to lean their weight, to stake their life upon this man, Jesus Christ. Personal, heartfelt trust in Jesus and the good news of salvation that he offers. It's not just belief in mere facts, but it's a person. And that is saving faith, understanding, approval, trust. Look, there's any number of passages in the Bible, even in Luke's gospel, that we could uh, have gone to. But I want us just to zoom in on one, one angle, if you like, uh, from this passage. If you've lost your page, do have that open, that would be great. It's in 1038, that's the page number, in Luke chapter 8. And I want us to see, first of all, that faith in Jesus brings salvation. Uh, Two characters then. I'm going to move this biscuit because I'll get distracted. Um, Two characters. First of all, a woman who is chronically ill, and then a man called Jairus, whose daughter is at death's door. And through these stories, we see that Jesus is a savior that you can trust in the face of desperation and even death. We're jumping in at at Luke chapter 8, and uh, Karen's already referred to this in her prayer that that Jesus has already had authority in calming the storm and uh, then later healing someone who was demon-possessed. But perhaps the biggest challenge yet we see, if you look down in verse 41, we're told, Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So Jairus is a a religious man, religious leader, and it shows that not all of the religious leaders opposed Jesus, right? There were a few who didn't. Jairus was one of them. And he's a man of position of kind of status, uh, and it's, it's a bit of a shock then to see that he fights his way through the crowds, and there he is, falling at the feet of Jesus. His only daughter is dying. This man is, this man is desperate as he fights his way through the crowds. If you know anything about Jesus and Luke's gospel, you kind of think, okay, Jesus is going to do his thing now, right? You know, he's going to heal him. Um, even at a distance, we know that he can do that from chapter 7, that happened. But instead, a, a major interruption comes to this story. Jairus and his daughter, that, that gets paused while another story emerges. We're told the crowd is almost crushing Jesus. And Have you been to a big crowd since covid I don't know how you felt about that. It's a bit, a bit funny. I remember actually um, when, I was a, when I was a teenager back in the day, I went to, uh, I went to see the band Muse. Uh, I went to a gig that they were doing uh, back in the rock, de- rock days. And um, I remember it's such a, a massive crowd. And I was a bit th- skinnier then. And I got sort of carried away. It wasn't crowd surfing, but I got sort of carried further and further to the front and ended up in a sort of mosh pit. And someone had to sort of, a mate of mine had to pull me out of it. It's quite scary. And, and the crowd here with Jesus, it's, well, there's people brushing past. It's, it's hot. It's maybe a sticky day like today, perhaps. And people are touching, and and, and all of that is going on. But then suddenly something different happens. An ill woman touches the edge of Jesus' cloak and is immediately healed. One single touch, desperation, drama, deliverance, all rolled into one. Luke fills, um, fills in the details for us in verse 43. We're told that this woman had been bleeding for 12, 12 years. It was probably a uterine hemorrhage. That's what the sort of Bible commentators 
I think that it was. And actually, it's been 12 long years. Can you think what you were doing 12 years ago? What was it, July 2010? Can you think where you were then? I was in Portugal, working there for the summer. That feels like a long time ago. (laughs) I don't know where you were. Well, every day for 12 long years, this has been a, a condition that had dominated her life. Constant bleeding. It had drained her cash. You know, the, the sort of equivalent maybe of Harley Street. She had seen perhaps the best people and no, we, we don't know what it is. But as well as the physical pain, there was more than that because the customs of the day would have said that this lady was unclean. Uh, so she couldn't go for dinner maybe at people's house. Uh, she had few visitors, alienated. Yet with one touch, years of agony and pain are reversed. But that's not the end of the story because Jesus knew that someone had touched him and he wasn't going to let things go. And so Peter, uh, it's classic Peter, isn't it? First to kind of chip in and, and say what he wants to say. And he says, look, look Jesus, hundreds of people have touched you. Come on. It's a mosh pit here. How do you know who it was who had touched you? And just spare a thought at this point. Just spare a thought for Jairus. He's still there. And Jesus has slowed down. And he must be thinking, come on, Jesus. Hurry up. Hurry up. My daughter's ill. This lady has been ill, but my daughter's dying. Come on, prioritize things. Come. But Jesus won't let it go until he finds out who it was that touched him. Maybe you ask, did he really not know? I don't know if we know the answer to that. I think likely that he did from knowledge kind of elsewhere of Jesus kind of being able to read what people are thinking and their hearts. Perhaps here, though, he wants to see a response of this woman. So verse 47, we see that at last she comes forward trembling. It's brave, isn't it? Isn't it brave of her to come forward to share her most shameful, maybe secret thing? of all those people. Perhaps going on in her head is, as she shares that, what is, what is Jesus going to do? Uh, is he, is he going to be angry that he's been made unclean now by that touch? Uh, what else is he thinking? Is she thinking, am I going to be humiliated now in front of the whole crowd after years of humiliation? Well, one word dissolves all of her fear. Daughter. Daughter. It's a rare term, actually, that that particular word. It's a term of affection and kindness. See, all of her fear runs into Jesus' tenderness. Which brings us to our key verse, verse 48. Can you see that? Daughter, your, there's our word, faith. Your faith has healed you. So just on that, <clears throat> on that first, three things just to, to pick up that are important. First of all, it's, it's a faith that has, has healed her. It's not magic or superstition, but it's her faith, we're told. See, we can't experience Jesus' healing or, or salvation without having to deal with him as a person. But the second little thing is that it's, she's healed because of the object of her faith rather than the quantity of her faith. As elsewhere in the Gospels, it's not the strength of her faith, it's, it's who her faith is in 
that is so important. My, um, my uncle John, I think might be a picture of him here. Uh, if you come, there, there we go. My uncle John turned 80 the other day. Slightly random present, but they're kind of family club together, wider family, to, um, to buy him a, a skydiving simulator experience. Uh, and I don't know if any of you have done that or seen that kind of thing. Uh, quite, quite a random present for an 80-year-old, but he was quite excited, but also quite nervous when I spoke to him a few weeks before he went on it. And uh, he went on it, and also his grandson, who's only 16, went on it as well. And my uncle... As an eight-year-old, he, he had no experience of going on one of these before, as you can imagine. Uh, he was quite nervous throwing himself into mid-air. His grandson, on the other hand, sort of 16-year-old boy, as 16-year-old boys are often quite confident, you know, happy to go for it, launch himself in, 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 in that way. But actually, whether 16 or, or 80, both of them, they were placing their lives in the hands of this instructor. They were placing their faith trust in the instructor and in the, the forces of the wind tunnel. Uh, some scientists can tell you how that works later, not me. Uh, they were approaching it differently, but they were both in the same way, putting their trust and, and making that leap, I guess, trusting in that way. And spiritually speaking, Jesus would say, look, whether someone's faith is as small as a mustard seed or great, Actually, they're the same in some sense. It's the same person we're trusting in, whether the faith is that or huge. So it's faith, not magic. It's so the, not the quantity, uh, but the, the object. And then the third little thing, and this is important, is that that word healed, the Greek word for healed there is the word sozo, which is the same word for saved in Luke's Gospel. So Luke links these words. It's either healed or it's saved in Greek. You could translate it kind of either way. And that is particularly striking because back in chapter 7, there's been a story of a sinful woman. You might remember that story, uh, if you know Luke's gospel, where she poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet, do you remember? And it was an act of devotion. And actually, if you just flick back to verse 50 of chapter 7, just before the the big eight there, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now in the original, that is exactly the same as what is said in chapter 8. Your faith has saved you, healed you. In the Greek, it's exactly the same. You might say, great, Nathan, lovely that you've pointed that out. Why why on earth should I care? Well, Luke is showing a link, really, between forgiveness of sin and restoration. See, the reason why there is sickness and evil and bleeding, like this woman for 12 years in our world, is because of sin and and human rebellion against God. That the Bible is very clear that this woman's bleeding is, is not proof that she is a bigger sinner than anyone else. The Bible does not say that. Rather, Jesus' healing here shows his comprehensive rescue, where not only is this woman made well physically, but also spiritually. See, for both these women, their faith, their trust was located in Jesus, and that brought them salvation, healing, peace with God. Faith in Jesus brings salvation. The second thing, though, that we see in our story is that faith in Jesus brings resurrection hope. 
See, while all of this is going on with the women, Jairus, do you remember Jairus? It feels like a long time ago, Jairus. And um, he's in that predicament, isn't he? He's been waiting and waiting and waiting as Jesus has been talking to this woman. His little daughter is at death's door. And that wait appears to have been costly. Look at verse 49. We're told that while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But we're not told Jairus' reaction. You can imagine if it was, if he was normal, that he would be numb, that he'd be thinking, Jesus, you, you waited too long when this messenger comes. Essentially, the messenger saying, Let, move on, Jairus. Jesus, Jesus can't do it all. Come on, let's leave him now. But what does Jesus say? Well, verse 50, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just, what's that word? Believe, have faith, and she will be healed. Look, of course, this is a shocking thing, right? (laughs) This is a mad thing for Jesus to say if he's unable to do this. He's calling Jairus to cling to him, to a deeper faith when confronted with God's power and compassion and capability. So they head along the road, and, and the crowds, they, they've gathered outside Jairus' house, and there's all sorts of wailing and crying, as you imagined, outside the house. And Jesus then says seemingly the most outrageous thing yet, and he says, look, this little girl, she's not dead, she's asleep. And the crowd laugh. We're told, look, I'm guessing that isn't a sort of ho-ho-ho laugh, but that is a an exasperation. Jesus, what? You, you can't just, she's not in a coma, she's gone. Trust us. What does Jesus do? Well, it's amazing, isn't it? He takes this little girl's hand and literally just says, child, arise. He reaches over the chasm of death and conquers it. Death is not the final word in that house that day. He has authority, power over even the greatest of enemies of death. And and you can only imagine, can't you, the scene as the parents run into the room and and are reunited with their girl as she she stands up again. It would have been beautiful to see. Listen, historically, these stories then that Luke has accounted, they're, they're obviously intertwined. But Luke is also at pains to show the connections between these two stories. Did he, did he spot some of them? So how old's the girl? Twelve. Uh, how old's the lady been bleeding? Twelve years. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, immediately we're told the bleeding stopped. And then immediately at once the girl got up. And then interestingly, verse 49, we know that this girl has been called daughter But what did Jesus say in verse 48 to the woman who was bleeding? Daughter. Even though she was likely older, maybe even older than Jesus. Again, so what? (laughs) Great, they're, they're linked. What does that mean? Well, Luke is meshing these stories to show the link in the Gospels between healing and salvation and resurrection. Showing that Jesus has comprehensive authority over sickness and death. It's worth saying that it doesn't mean that today we're promised healing in the same way 
as in this passage. There's a question time next week if, if you want to ask a little bit about that. But what we get in part in these stories, it is developed through the rest of the New Testament, that Jesus offers rescue and salvation ultimately through his death on the cross for us. But he also offers, well, eternal life, resurrection hope, that all who die trusting in him, he is able to raise, to be with him on the last day and to live with him forever. And so the application for us, like this woman, is to have faith. Or like Jairus, to believe. To, to throw our, our weight, to throw our life upon him, knowing that he has power even over death. Listen, Jairus and, and this woman, uh, they might seem quite extreme, the stories. Uh, they were quite desperate, weren't they, both, in both cases. But if we could truly see our spiritual condition, we would really know that actually we're every bit as in, in need of Jesus as they were. And if you're someone here today who's, who's not a Christian coming into church, you're, you're really so welcome here at Trinity today. We love having you. Can I say to you, you've got to take a proper look at Jesus's life in one of the Gospels, a Gospel like uh, Luke that you can read. You can take one of these away. They're just at the back. Uh, over where Karen's sitting. And as you read about Jesus, stories like this, you've got to ask the question, is this someone I can, can put my trust in to, to lean my weight upon for salvation and resurrection hope of eternal life? Ask that question relentlessly as you read Luke's gospel. Just imagine for a moment that you, um, you needed open heart surgery uh, and you, you headed down the road to UCLH, okay, uh, just on Euston Road. An amazing hospital, one of the leading hospitals, isn't it, in the world. And uh, you, you go through the hospital doors and you meet the surgeon there who's going to operate on you. And you, you see all of the certificates that she's got behind her, uh, hers, you meet the surgeon, she's got letters after her name and certificates and this and that. And she talks you through the operation and all the experiences she's got and all of these things before. Uh, and look, you might be quite scared, I would be quite scared, <laughs> I imagine you would be as well. But you place your life into her hands because of what you know about her and what you know about the hospital, reputation of it. That's very different, isn't it, than going down to Euston Road and the first person that you bump into saying, excuse me, would you mind um, performing open-heart surgery on me? You're, you're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> and in a sense, to be a Christian is similar. It's not blind faith like that, but it's leaning your weight on a trustworthy person who gave his life for you on the cross. I guess there'll be some here who have maybe... Do you remember those three things? Understood before. Uh, maybe approved of Jesus. But you've never lent your weight on him and trusted him as your saviour. Will you do that? As your healer? As your saviour? See, no one else can do what only he can. Bring rescue and salvation and hope and eternal life. I like this. One person put it like this. They said, look, you can scour the earth, sit at the feet of gurus, read the best philosophers, tune into the most enlightening podcasts, but you will find no one as challenging, enthralling, unpredictable, substantial, and insightful as him, as Jesus. It's true, isn't it? 
It might be that you want to pray a prayer that someone else does in the Gospels and, and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You might want to make that prayer your own going out into this week. As we draw to a close, just a, a challenge and then an encouragement, and then I promise I'll be done on a hot day. First of all, a challenge for us. For, for us as Christians here, let me ask, are you growing in your faith and daily trust in Jesus Christ? Are you growing? See, like with uh, Stephen Shevins from last week, like with repentance, there's a, there's a kind of capital F faith. You know, when someone becomes a Christian, there's a capital F. One, you believe once for all, but there's also a lowercase f where you continue on day by day in the Christian life. See, faith is a gift from God, and it's also an ongoing way of life. It's a decision. Our faith, it, it can't be kind of leased out someone else or borrowed from or inherited from or, or even shared with a girlfriend or parents or whatever it is. It's active, not static. And one of the main ways, actually, that our faith increases is as our knowledge increases. So the more that we know of Jesus, the more we're able to trust him more fully. Of course, knowledge can puff up and make people proud, especially young guys as they get excited about various things. (laughs) But it shouldn't. It should make us humble as it helps us to lean on Jesus more than anything, more than abilities or circumstances or resources. And so are you growing? Are you growing in your daily trust in habits of, of reading God's word, praying, fellowship, giving, and those kind of things? Maybe it's something to talk about with others afterwards. But there's also an encouragement that I want to end on here. And it's encouragement, particularly for those here today who, whose faith feels pretty weak. Uh, Maybe you feel you're barely holding on. You're lacking assurance. And asking the question, am I actually a Christian, (laughs) even? Maybe that's you. There wouldn't be many people uh, who are Christians who who haven't had a day or a season uh, where that thought has gone through their head. Well, like the woman here, if you trusted Jesus, you are saved not because of the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith. Your faith doesn't depend on how you're feeling today, but instead on a person. And, and like that woman, we can grab the, the bottom of the rope, the cloak, just to grab hold again today of, of Jesus. Just, a, just that. <laughs> and we could ask for help, couldn't we? A few things, just ask for help. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's a great thing for us all to pray. Ask for help. You might want to talk to others as well. Here in church, there's a load of different experiences, different people going through different things. Why don't you maybe just open up just to one or two people and just say, look, do you know, I've actually been struggling for a bit of a season all this time. Can we chat about it? Can we pray? Talk to others. Ask for help. Talk to others. And then have confidence in the object of your faith, Jesus Christ. He's finished work on the cross for you, not in the ups and downs of your feelings. It's all about Jesus. We're going to sing in a a few moments' time that song that says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. So let's be people who confidently press on in faith, walk by faith, knowing that one day our faith shall be made sight 
where we enjoy with our own eyes our Savior when we see him. It'd be wonderful, won't it? As we see him, the one who died for our salvation and rose, giving us eternal life. I'm just going to leave us uh, just to have a little pause just for a few moments. Maybe reflect on some of those questions. Are we growing? How can we be encouraged? Who can we talk to? And then I'll wrap us up in a prayer and before we sing some other songs and Jeff comes up. Lord God, this is a big, a big, big topic um, of faith. In some ways, it's the most beautifully simple thing in the world, uh, like this woman, to be able just to say, uh, to trust Jesus uh, in this way. But also, it's something that uh, perhaps we feel uh, we're up and down in our own faith or, or we're barely clinging on today. I pray that we would have great assurance, Lord, assurance in Jesus and his saving work for us, that we would believe as we go into this week. I pray for some of us who maybe have never uh, taken that step. Maybe we've understood and maybe we've approved, but we've never lent our weight and and hoped in Jesus and trusted in him in this way. I pray that some of us would would do that for the first time today or talk about that with someone or pick up a gospel at the back of church before we leave. Oh, this is so important. Half an hour can't deal with uh, the extent of this and what the Bible has to say, but I pray that what has been spoken today and what we've listened to will be helpful, Lord, for us to put our trust and faith more deeply in Jesus. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.